Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, nor being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For he who have believed do not enter that rest as he had said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has written, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creation, wait, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that have, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we in all points but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Awesome. Thanks for reading all that, Hannah. <laughs> um, all right. So I, uh, Chris asked me to do a short, like 12, 15 minute message. Um, and I picked this one because this was something that I read a few months, like a month or so ago when I was in a not great spot. And, um, it was, it was really beneficial to me. So I figured I, you know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, preached anything this long. I've really only done a few minute things, but I figured I'd try starting with this. So all that to say, keep your expectations pretty low, but, <laughs> uh, so, all right. So 
uh, starting at verse seven. So I'm going to give a little preface for for this uh, these two chapters real quick, or for this book and these two chapters. So the author of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. Um, uh, they do not reveal themselves, but we can tell from this that they're they're clearly talking. To their audience is clearly somebody who is familiar with the Old Testament. They know they know about Moses. They know about all these Old Testament people. So it's most likely that they're talking to the Jews. Um, and the point of this whole book is that this author is trying to tell the 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 audience that all these people in the Old Testament that you look up to that that interacted with God that had these important parts in the Old Testament, Christ is. Christ is infinitely above them. And as much as you should listen to what they had to say, you really need to listen to what Christ has to say. Um, so this, like the, we, I skipped a little bit at the beginning of this because really seven through um, all of four is kind of connected, but he starts off with talking about how Jesus is greater than Moses. That's like the header. So um, I'm going to break this up into three main uh, sections just for uh, making following me easier. The first thing it's going to, we're going to talk about this rest, this God, God's rest that he's talking about here. We're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about how to get it and what does that look like? So what is God's rest? So basically this, this uh, chapter three and seven is a unit. It's supposed to be read as a unit with four chapter four up through um verse 13. So that's what we're focusing on right now. Um, so verses seven through 11, this is a quote from Psalm 95, right? So what is, what is this, what is this quote originally talking about in Psalm 95? This is talking about Israel being in exile, right? So this is talking about when Israel's 40 years in the desert. So who's writing this Psalm? That's David. All right. So why is David writing about the Israelites in exile? And why is this person quoting David talking about the Israelites in exile in this uh, chapter right here? So clearly David and this writer are, are talking about this wilderness situation. This writer, the, the, the church the, the, in, in Hebrews right now, this writer in Hebrews, he is clearly writing to people who are being persecuted in some way. And they're dealing with the situation that feels like they're, like they're in exile. So why, why is David writing about this? The three years since David's writing about this is because it's looking back at the past. So David, when he's writing this, he's writing this to remind the Israelites about when, back when they were in exile. He's also writing this to the present, the people that are reading it then, his people who are in this promised land, but they are, they, he's trying to remind them of that. And then he's talking to the future, the part of this that still applies to in Hebrews when this writer is talking about it and to us now. So the, so I want to take a second to look at verse seven. The first thing we're reading, it says, therefore, as the Holy spirit says, right? This isn't, he didn't say as the Holy spirit said, the Holy spirit says, because this was relevant when this writer in Hebrews is quoting it. And it's relevant when we're reading it now. Um, so yeah, this, the, the, all of this that he's about to say is still applies. So, Let's go back to the to this to this quote in Psalms. How how did the he how did the Israelites handle this wilderness situation? Right. So, um, in verses eight and twelve, it talks about how they hardened their hearts in unbelief. They did not believe the Lord. 
Um, hold on. I just realized that uh, my internet was having some issues, so I just want to make sure that I didn't cut out. Okay, I think I'm fine. You're good. Um, all right, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so the Israelites, when they were in exile, they, they, there were many of them who hardened their hearts and did not believe. They did not believe in God's promise that he was going to take them to the promised land, and they did not have faith in him, right? So we're talking about that. And so they, they put, it also says they put God to the test. They constantly are putting God to the test. They went astray and were disobedient to God, right? Um, and then if we skip ahead a little bit into uh, chapter 4, 1 through 2, it talks about, it says the message did not benefit them because they were not united in faith with those who listened. So there's a, this is clearly talking about people who do, who do not believe in the message. They do not believe in, in what God said or his promises. So the Israelites that didn't get this rest, this is what they were doing. God is saying, these people, I did not give them my rest. They did not believe in me. They were not obedient. Um. So what is this rest? What is this rest that God is telling us that he did not give to them? Um, so for the Israelites, this was the promised land, right? They were promised, you know, Abraham was promised that he was going to have this land, that he was going to have all these generations. Moses was promised that he was going to take the Israelites to this land and it was going to be theirs, right? But it goes further than that, obviously, Um so this is also talking about heaven, right? Where that that's that's the the promised land, you know, is almost like a type for heaven. It goes beyond this. So that's where we're all. That's where we are all trying to go. That's where we're all hopefully going is heaven as well. And that's something that the Lord promises us if we believe. So there's that, but also it's not even just that. It's the new earth, right? God's re- like Adam and Eve had this rest that they were talking that that he's talking about in the garden of eden they were they were at peace with god and they were uh they were in this communion with him um until the fall um so yeah so there's there's three things right there that this that this rest is talking about um all right so now that we know what this rest is how do we receive this rest? So first let's look about how, what, how the, the, why the Israelites didn't receive it, obviously. So we look back and it's 3, 16 through 19 says, you know, it was unbelief and sin. And then if we look at verse four, uh, chapter four, verse six, you know, it says, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. So that's, that should be, that should be scary, <laughs> right? Is that does that scare any of you? The that it says that they did not receive this rest, they did not receive salvation, they did not go to heaven, they did not get to be a part of the new earth because of disobedience. How do you guys? I mean, obviously, don't respond, but that that's that stresses me out when I read that. I think I'm disobedient. I don't always obey God, so. Obviously, the real question is: Can you can you lose can you can you not receive this rest because of our sin? Can we not receive salvation because of uh, us not obeying God and because of our sin? And obviously, the answer is no. That uh, 
our our disobedience does not con- does not condemn us. We're saved by the, the the blood of Christ, and the reason why that this is saying this, the reason why that that their um, it says their disobedience condemned them is because their disobedience is a result of their unbelief. It wasn't that they believed and they were disobedient. It's that they were disobedient because they didn't believe in the first place. Um, but I think the whole point of this and verses like this is this should scare us. This should make us think, oh my gosh, I have not obeyed this perfect, holy, righteous God who has my, my fate in his hands. And that, that should scare us. That should, that should point us to him and be like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm, I can't, I can't be good enough for this. Um, so I think the point of this verse also is to, is to push us to Christ, to push us to realize that one, we cannot, we cannot be obedient. Uh, two, we cannot preserve our own faith and um, we need to cling to Christ. We, we need to beg Christ, say, I cannot, I, I cannot believe in you of my own will. I cannot follow you of my own will. I need you to desperately hold on to me, pull me in, keep me safe because I can't, if I, if it's based on me, I'm going to end up just like them because I'm going to go do my own thing. Our hearts are so easily, you know, distracted by all these other things. So the point of this is to draw us to Christ to make us realize that we can't do this on our own. Um, and we need to cling to him. We need to beg, well, we need to beg to him to cling to us and we need to cling to him. Um, so, all right. So with all that in mind, how do we know that we have, that we will receive this rest? So if you look at, so going back just a little bit, if we look at chapter three, uh, verse 12 through 14, 12, 12, verse 12 and verse 14 are they're, they're the main ones. So it says, take care, brothers, lest there be um, in any of you uh, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the whole point is he's saying, lest there not, not any of you have an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from God. For we have, for we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So basically, long story short, if we believe, we'll, we'll hold, we'll hold our faith until the end. We will preserve until the end. Um, and ultimately we can't, we, we need to beg Christ to hold on to us because we can't, we can't do it on our own. Um, so. With all of that in mind, this, obviously this whole this whole wilderness scenario, I couldn't help. I, I didn't pick this because of this, but I couldn't help but feeling like this is this is something that's a lot easier for us to put ourselves in these shoes than probably any time normally. This whole exile idea, because we're all we're all in a situation we've never been in before. We all everything is just completely shaken up. We, we're stuck in our house, but probably most of us feel like we're in exile right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's, you know, sometimes it, it's for some people, it's probably really hard to trust God right now because everything's a lot up in the air. You know, some people are probably mad at God. And, you know, a lot of times being stuck by yourself makes it a lot harder to obey God and to glorify God. You know, there's a lot of temptations that are probably a lot stronger right now when you're sitting by yourself at home and you don't have things to distract yourself with. Um and so that's that's probably pretty hard, you know. Pro- obviously, it's not the same as the Israelites, but it's it's easy for me to put myself in a similar sh- shoes of thinking like 
this this is this feels slightly similar to that um so do you feel like one of the israelites right now do you feel like your faith is dwindling do you feel like you're being disobedient does this scare you see like reading reading this and hearing their situation and seeing where you're at now um because i think i think it should scare us and i think that the whole point is to push us to christ um so what do we do then so four fourteen through 17 that's that's where this comes in where it says we need to come boldly before the throne of grace um we so the, the way we do this is ultimately the way we receive this rest and the way we're able to do this is by the gospel by believing that you know that god sent his son down to pay for our sins because we could never do that on our own um to to make us whole and to declare us righteous and that that's really the only way because i want to make sure that i don't leave that out um it's our faith in christ is what saves us um because and so because of this we are declared righteous we're declared children of god and that's why we're able to because that's a huge that like that's the thing that was hard for me when i read this is this idea of coming before the throne of grace boldly because i can't do that i i can't do that right now it's really hard you know and it's it's hard because we don't realize who we and maybe maybe some of you can do this and maybe this is just me but for me it's really hard to feel like i have any right to do that and the reality of that is because i don't fully understand my who i am i don't understand that i'm actually a child of god that god actually did all of this for me and that who i actually am in my sins he doesn't see that he sees the blood of his son when i walk into his throne room and that that's what he actually sees and that's what we need to preach to our own hearts that's what we need to keep telling ourselves over and over again is that's the reality of it not who i am not my sin not all of these things um so do you feel like you can do that? Do you feel like you have the right or you have the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace? Because, and the reason we're, be able to, we're able to come before the throne of grace, what Christ knows how we feel. Christ has been tempted. Like it says, he suffered everything that we could ever suffer. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're, we're not coming to God as sinners, as ourselves. We're coming to God as his children covered in Christ's blood. And we're seen as righteous. Um. Yeah, so we need to go. We need to go. We need to go before the throne and ask him for the the, the grace and the mercy that, that that is being offered here. Because we need we need I need it right now. You know, it's it's uh, I, this is just a quick a quick other thing is you know um, I read uh, Tim Keller's book uh, The Prodigal God and that really opened my eyes to the fact that when I'm in this situation where if I'm in a situation where I'm sinning. And I feel really guilty and I, I feel like I cannot come before the throne of God because I feel like, yeah, TK, uh, because I feel like I have to sit and wallow in it for long enough that God realizes that I'm actually sorry. Or I have to, I have to be actually sorry for long enough. And this book basically told me that, like, if you're doing that, you are trying to earn forgiveness. You're not receiving free grace. And that's something that I think a lot of Christians have in common is we feel like we have to, we feel like we have to earn the right to come before the throne before we do. And that keeps us from coming at all because we can't earn the right to come. He just tells us to come. Um, all right. So sorry, I went, I went a little too long. So quick, quick summary of important points is don't be like the Israelites. <laughs> uh, we got to trust Christ in, in his, and his, we need to trust in his promises. They are promises. They're not, 
They're, you know, it's not up for debate. They are promises. We need to cling to him to sustain our faith because he's the only one who can sustain our faith. We can't sustain our faith. We need to learn who we are. We need to really understand that we are his children and what that actually means, what that actually looks like so that we can approach his throne of grace and get what we need. Cause I think we all need something from there. Um, all right, cool. I took too long. Anyways, I'll pray real quick. Um, father, I thank you so much that you are a gracious and merciful Lord God. Um, uh, that we deserve uh, punishment, that we we don't deserve to uh, have the relationship that we have with you. We don't deserve to be called your children. Uh, and yet you called us anyways, uh, just because you love us and because of nothing that we could do. Um, I just pray that you would uh, continue to be gracious to us and uh, uh, that you would continue to bless uh, RUF in these studies. In your son's name, amen. Mm.